Hey there, missionaries. This is Len, a.k.a. The Bad Tribble. Just want to uh, call out a couple of things about this episode of the Michelle Mission. Our recording was not working at the very big beginning of the show at the top of the show so you don't hear vincent and i introduce this episode which is our review of neptune frost and you don't hear us point out there are two new oscar michaud movie posters in studio and in pointing out the two movie posters um we take note of some of the stars of these all Negro cast in The Exile and in Underworld and pay particular attention to an actor in Underworld by the name of Slick. So that's where things pick up when we get into the show. But I just wanted to let you know what you missed. Enjoy. B. Freeman, mm-hmm. Saul Johnson, and Oscar Polk. Mm-hmm. Now, those names are like like the featured star. Sure, sure. But also in the credits, it has with, alongside Ethel Moses, a gentleman by the name of Slick Chester. Slick Chester, because some people were on the fence about whether or not they were slick or not. They wanted to see the film. <laughs> and then they said, hey, did we mention that Slick Chester is also in So the Slick film? is the one that bought That's right. He's the one that pushes. He's, they call him the closer. <laughs> Oscar Michaud used to call him the closer. You know, we laugh at this. <laughs> but perhaps he did. Because what vexed it in his almighty wisdom. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Or insanity. You be the judge was able to prove is that he could take one Slick the Closer Chester. Slick Chester. And slick. connect him in six movies or less. I could. To Durville Martin. Now, before you think, well, hey, it, it's a black film. Sure. But this is Underworld. <laughs> An Oscar Michaud movie. From 1920, I'm going to say before 1925, most likely. Uh, Yeah, not only that, but let me see if Oscar Michaud Underworld. I wonder if this is a film that you can actually, oh, you can watch it. So it does exist. I yeah. thought I thought maybe it was a ghost film. Oh, no, no, it was real film. Yeah. yeah. So, so fun, like, it was from 1937. Okay, so 1937. 1937. 1937. So it's yeah. not as old as I thought. It's so freaking old. Pretty old. We're Pretty still old. talking about an almost 80-year-old movie. Yeah, yeah. But Vincent proved that he could connect Slick Chester. Slick. Because that's not his government. That's not his government. That's nom de blom. <laughs> Slick Chester. Because in the United States, he was slick. White <laughs> <laughs> Chester. Slick Chester. To Durville Martin. It's true. Vincent. Make it so. Well, Slick Chester. 
was in Harlem is, is Heaven. Harlem is Heaven. With Bill Bojangles Robinson. Okay, Bill Bojangles Robinson, one of the dance greats of the early 20th century. Who has a cameo in Amazing Grace. Bill Robinson, Bill Bojangles Robinson has a cameo in Amazing Grace. Yes. Which is the, not there to be confused with the documentary. No, no, this is the film, this is Mom, Mom's Mabelise film. Yes, the 70s. 70s film. 70s comedy. Comedy. And Rosalind Cash is in Amazing Grace. Rosalind Cash, who may be the... Dervella Martin. Maybe a Dervella. She shows up in interesting places. The last time we talked about her was last week in Omega Man. I know. So Rosalind Cash, she, look, Cash wasn't just her last name. No <laughs> was right. But um, Rudy Ray Moore is, of course, in, um, well, Rosalind Cash is in the Monkey Hustle mm-hmm. as well with Rudy Ray Moore, who is, of course, in Dolomite with Dervell Martin. Vincent, you are, you, I, 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 I'm, I kneel before this. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, OCD or encyclopedic, you decide. You, you are a beast, man. Yeah. You are a beast. Um, looking in the chat, Deborah Battle uh, is, is speaking about, interesting, interesting thing that she's talking about. This is, uh, gets us right into the next thing we're mm-hmm. talking about. She said that she spent today. Okay. Watching episodes of the game show What's My Line from 1950 through 1967, where um, there was a certain person who was a guest on the panel of that show Mm -hmm. twice. And that show was a a show where you basically um, stars sat and had an anonymous person come in and, and by basically paying like 20 questions, mm-hmm. we had to guess what this person, who this person was, what they did for him. Sure. Um, and a person uh, of note was a guest on the panel twice um, and was on there six times as, uh, oh, excuse me, yeah, four, four times. Interesting. As a mystery guest. Interesting. And this person of note um, was one Harry Belafonte. Harry Belafonte. Who passed away today uh, at the age of 96 years young. Yeah. Um, uh, An accomplished Mm. uh, actor, um, performer, Mm -hmm. and and accomplished as he was in both those fields, you know, with many, many accolades to his name, he probably would is somewhere smiling that he is probably more best known and more widely heralded for his activist work. Absolutely. For his political work. Absolutely. Um, and I know he's someone that actually resonated with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the foundation of course is, is frankly the activism. I, I think he's one of the people who literally financed so much of the civil rights movement mm-hmm. and and you know people like Ralph Abernathy and Dr. Martin Luther King talked about the fact that that you need money for logistics to rent you know you had to rent these buses you had to feed people who went and sat in and did all of these things and and Harry Belafonte 
was one of the main sort of key figures mm -hmm. in Hollywood. But I think what is even more impressive about his life as an activist is we think about his civil rights era work, but this is someone who was an activist all the way to the end of his life. To the end of his life. Like, like whether we're talking about, you, you know, the situation in Haiti, mm -hmm. in the 80s and 90s, or apartheid, uh, uh, police brutality. Like, this is someone who really walked the walk his entire life. And and for us, that would be the most important part. Uh, you and I are fans of his work as as an actor, mm -hmm. you, you know, here and there. And, and I have to say, it, it probably wasn't a cool thing to do. Like, this isn't a poetic thing. But I've been thinking about Geechee Dan Buford all day, which is a role he played in in um uptown saturday night mm -hmm. which is one of my favorite films i know it's one of your favorite films it is. but i have such affection for that because i think when you think about harry belafonte and especially like those old pictures he's so put together yeah and you know he's just he was just a beautiful man so in a film like uptown saturday night or or a film that we i'm going to say we just discovered in the past five years, bucking a preacher, mm -hmm. where he got to kind of not be that guy and have a lot of fun and have a lot of fun. And and it seems like everyone talks about you know it had a great sense of humor, mm -hmm. you know, lived a wonderful life, and and it's it you know a, a, a giant has fallen. Yeah, man. Yeah, but at ninety six years. Old man, that's that's like yo, man. Yeah, lay it down. You your work is done. Yeah, well done. You work. You well happening. done. Yeah, well done. Well done. And in in that regards, mm -hmm. um, George Kamona uh, was saying that when I read his old bit, I couldn't help but think of the outside story, um, because the outside story, which is a film that we've reviewed on on the Michelle Mission, uh, which stars Brian Tyree Henry, he was actually his job was putting together like those little yeah uh, vignettes yeah that you would do for um older stars yeah but you know but because you never knew right and, and let's face it when you cross 80 right you know they have the tape ready they've got it they've got it ready yeah. they just constantly just updating it every year yeah um and somebody like harry belafonte they like honestly harry belafonte you the book was written on the man, like you said, already. I know. Because he really hasn't acted much since, I think, like maybe the early 2000s. He's got like one small cameo. Sure. Or something like sure. But by then, the book was already written on the Absolutely. man. Absolutely. He, he, did, he did the work and, and he was still out there as a symbol, mm -hmm. you know. Um, what I always appreciated about him, and, and I had made no secret that one of the gifts of doing this show is that while I've always in, enjoyed Harry Belafonte, I didn't think that he was that accomplished as an actor, mm -hmm. right? I loved Geechee Dan Buford. I loved Uptown, Uptown Saturday Night. Was not aware of the Buck and the Preacher. Mm -hmm. So anything else that I had seen him in, I was like, I he's Harry Belafonte. Right. But one of the gifts of this show is now having to watch his works and all of his works and works that I was uh, unaware of and really get to appreciate 
you know, him as an actor and how nuanced he was as an actor and then learning more about his life and learning how thoughtful and uh, intentional. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But all of that aside, I've never made any secret that whatever I may think of him as an actor, I will never shit on that man's name. As, sure. as, as just a man, sure. as, a, as a, a, a political figure, um, as one of the most important black men of the last 50, 60 years. Yeah, easily. Easily. Yeah, easily. Easily. Yeah. Um, and, and in light of that, in the respect to Mr. Belafonte, we are going to um, dedicate tonight's Top five to the top five Harabella Pate. Top five. Who's your top five? Top five, Harry Belafonte rolls to Vincent, and I'm going to start at number five. And these are in order of my preference. Okay. Because you may disagree. Mm-hmm. My top five is number five. Number five. Buck and the Preacher. <laughs> 1972 American Western comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, written by Ernest Kenoy and directed by Sidney Poitier. Is his dear friend Sidney Poitier. Who stars alongside Harry Belafonte and Ruby Dee. Mm-hmm. Um, this was actually the, uh, Sidney Poitier's first film that he directed. Uh, the film vo- broke the Hollywood Western tradition by casting black actors as central characters and portraying both tension and solidarity between African-Americans and Native Americans in the late 19th century. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is also notable for having blues musicians Sonny Terry, Brownie McGee, and Don Frank Brooks um, on the film's soundtrack, which was composed by jazz great Benny Carte. Yeah, it's a great movie. It is an easy, breezy, it's a movie. movie. We, re- we really enjoyed that when we reviewed it. And there is a better world. There's like a parallel universe that's a better world than this one, where there were two direct sequels to this. Yeah, and you just you know, they right. just went and and, it, and, and just bucking the preacher. Yeah. And then there was a spinoff just for the preacher that wasn't as well received. <laughs> but I had great fondness for it. I'm sure you did. Right, like he opens a coffee shop on the frontier. A coffee shop. I'm just saying. They called it Buck's Cafe, and it was very confusing. The marketing was very confusing. Yes, because it was the preacher. Right. <laughs> right. I'm, oh, all right. I messed it up. It's like, wait. I thought City Porty was Buck. Right. There you go. But yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. It's, it's, what I really appreciate about that. And no, not to Sidney Poitier. No. For Sidney Poitier, as much as he did kind of stretch himself, Kind of was Sydney in a lot of movies, right? Like straight, straight, yeah. You know what I mean? But this is not Harry (laughs) Belafonte. The preacher is not Harry Belafonte. No, or if it is, it's him on way low. Right, right, right. The preacher is out there, dog. And now you can tell Harry Belafonte in that role 
It's having the time of his I life. Know. He is having so much fun. I know. He's having such a joy. And it makes you, this and another role, which we'll talk about, it, it makes you wonder about the 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 alternative universe where Harry Belafonte does more comedy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And really. And, and, and that great, great smile. Even yeah. Yeah jacked up teeth yeah uh number four number four number four we're going back to 1959 okay and this is a favorite of yours okay um a film that harry bonte harry belafonte stars with only two other actors yeah inger stevens and bell farrar in the science fiction doomsday film the world the flesh and the devil the world the flesh and the devil set in a post-apocalyptic world with very few human survivors and based with the 1901 novel *The Purple Cloud* and the story of the end of the world by Ferdinand Rear, um, this was a movie that the mission introduced me to. And me as well. Was not aware of it. Yeah, me as well. Um, I was taken in by the settings mm-hmm. of this. Uh, I think Harry Belafonte is very good in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You had to come around to it. I had to come around. I had, I had to, to watch around. it the second time. I had to come around to it, though. I watched it the second right, time. Right. I said, you know what? Uh-huh. Harry's doing work. Right. I, I, right. First time, yeah. my Harry Belafonte bias was shown. Right. Hey, this is the mission. We watch it once. We review it. That's right. Exactly. So, you then, know. When I watched it again, uh-huh. in passing, I was like, he's actually pretty good. At yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, a very, it's a very interesting film. It really is. Film for 1959. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? And this is also an indication, this is still very early in his career, mm-hmm. but how intentional he is about the roles that he takes. Absolutely. You know, because he comes up around the time of Sidney Poitier. Yeah. Sidney Poitier is is, is, wor- is a working actor at this time as well. And I'm not going to say Sidney Poitier is not being diligent. Sure. But I would argue this and another role are more of a stretch than Sydney's doing right. in, in this time that Harry's going for. It's it's interesting. I'm I'm finishing up a book by a uh, Will Haygood hey called Colorization, okay, and yeah, and it's yeah, about yeah. black remember black people in film, and he has a whole chapter on the relationship between Harry. between Harry Belafonte and Sydney Portier and how they were basically doing. What you alluded to, like they kept an eye on each other. Like it wasn't really a rivalry mm-hmm. because they were friends, but they very much kind of used each other as as North Stars, basically. Mm-hmm. Like like the kind of roles you take really speak to the kind of roles that I want to take. Like the way you represent yourself is the way I want to represent myself. Wasn't there one time like a little bit of a friction between them, if I understand? No, not really. No, not really. I mean, I, and if it was, it was friendly. Okay. If it, you know, because like, you know, Sidney Poitier obviously was the actor. Yeah. First, and then um, Harry Belafonte comes into it because, because he comes because from singing, from singing. Right. right? But I think both of them, as you said, were very intentional about their image mm-hmm. as black men mm-hmm. on this stage. Right. And like you know, they like they're really unique figures at this moment that they kind of ascend at you know at the, at the similar time. Like they're basically 
the black leading men. They are. So, and they are. But yeah, good film. Good film. Number but shout out to Will A. Good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out to Will A. Good. It's a great book. Number three. We've already alluded to it. Mm-hmm. One of your favorites. Absolutely. Definitely one of my favorites. And the very first show that movie that we reviewed. Very first Michelle Mission. On the Michelle Mission. From 1974, also directed by Sidney Poitier, who stars alongside Harry Belafonte and Bill Cosby, Uptown Saturday Night. Yes, sir. Uh, the film where Harry Belafonte plays gangster Geechee Dan Buford. Geechee Dan Buford wants to defeat his rival, Silky Slim. Silky Slim, played by the great Calvin Lockhart. There is like, there's so many moments. In oh this my goodness. Why I'd laugh out loud. Oh my goodness. And just to think of them, I laugh out loud. But one of them. Uh, then, uh, I bet I know the one you're about to say. Is when uh, Sydney and Bill Cosby go to see. Geek. There it is. And Harold Belafonte is getting ready to you know, talk to him. But he stops. <laughs> and he's got a. Give him all the names right off all of my time. Right. And then, doesn't he crack like an egg? He cracks it. Actually, the nose spray is last. That's right. That's after. He, he cracks an egg. He puts some Worcestershire sauce on the egg. He picks the egg up in the Because he cracks it into a dish. He, he cracks it into a saucer. Yes. Into a saucer. Puts the Worcestershire sauce on it. He picks up the saucer. He looks Bill Cosby and Sidney Poitier dead in the face. Slurps it down. Takes out the nose spray. <laughs> and then puts it back. Cap it back. Now what the hell you two embryos are at? <laughs> it is so funny. Because his eyes, he's... And you got and the other thing is like he's doing a slightly a parody of Marlon Brando, right? In the Godfather, yeah. so he's, 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 his mouth is stuffed with cotton. Oh, one drop. And it's Harry Belafonte. It's Harry Belafonte. This is the man who walked with King. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's there, and he's lo- oh my oh. god! I I I crack up just thinking about that. there is there is no film that brings me as much joy as good. Uptown Saturday Night. Like it really is my film that that makes me happy. And he's such a huge, like you said, throughout the film. There's a part where he's playing softball <laughs> at the picnic, and he's knocking people over. One point he's in disguise as a lady, lady with a but he's wild. covering up his mustache, and it is such an amazing role. And much like you said with um, Buck and the Preacher, he's he's having a ball. He's having so much fun. He's having so, and they're all having so much. Everybody fun. in that movie is having a good, just having a time. good time. Oh God! So I can't. I don't know what two and one are going to be. I love that movie. I love that movie. Number two. Number two. Now, mind you, these are my... These are yours. Absolutely. And this is the film that I told you about, but I don't think you've seen yet. Uh, maybe not. 
Um, produced and directed by Robert Wise, more commonly known of as the director of the West of West Side Story. Okay. It is a film that stars Harry Belafonte. <laughs> um, Harry Belafonte is from 1959. Mm-hmm. Now here, the Harry Belafonte in this film plays a nightclub entertainer named Johnny Ingram. Okay. But here's the synopsis of, of the, the movie. Um, David Burke is a former policeman who was ruined when he refuses to cooperate with state crime investigators. So he asks Earl Slater, a tough ex-con and racist, oh, no. to help him rob a bank, promising him $50,000 if the robbery is successful. Burke also recruits Johnny Ingram, Harry Belafonte's character, because Johnny has huge gambling debts. Oh, that's so, how they get you. So that's how he he, he gets them. Um, Slater, who was supported by his girlfriend, uh, Lori Slater, who, remember, is the ex-con racist, mm-hmm. uh, finds out that the third party on this caper is black. And he's like, oh, no, hell of a dent. I'm not doing this job with this brother. Okay. All right. However, he needs the dough, too. Mm-hmm. So there is an unholy alliance of these three men that have to pull this caper in the 1959 film Odds Against Tomorrow. Wow. It sounds good because I'm going to assume that there are complications. Oh, yes. There are complications. And double crosses. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, I found this film very the happenstance on um, Turner Classic Movies, right on brand. On their uh, Noir Alley. Okay. I love film noir. Yeah. So, <laughs> so when they said it was a noir <laughs> film, I said, I don't care. I'm going to watch. You're it. just going to watch it, and then and then they said Harry Belafonte. Right. Like, uh, yeah. Harry Belafonte and Harry Belafonte said, "Hold my beer," and that's what he did. And Harry Belafonte put in work. Dog. All right, Harry Belafonte put in work. Is it a black film? It. I would say it's a black film because he's the lead, right? And from what you say, and it's, it's definitely an incumbent upon yeah. upon him being a black person. All right, in this movie, on the docket, it, it is. It is so. It is so tight. Okay. Um, and even though he's a nightclub entertainer, he's like a musician. He, he's not singing. I think they they show his band like maybe once or twice. Right. It's not any prolonged thing. It's film noir. It's crime. Okay. It's um, uh, stylish as hell. The black, the, the it's like everything you think about noir, the shadows, the black and white, the composition. It is all there. And the Harry Balafonte as again, what you think about noir? This poor sad sack caught in a situation right. that he just can't find his way out right. of. See, like all right this he liked the ponies. Cause he liked him cause he yes. Yes. I think, <laughs> I, I think I can't remember it's the pony or it was the horses. But it's like he definitely has like huge debts and he's he's, he's an addict. Is it a difference between the ponies and the horses? Number one. I'm, no, I'm genuinely like I thought you were telling me something. I was like, I thought that was just a euphemism for horses. Do they race ponies? No, no, no. 
When you said the pony, he said ponies. Yeah. I saw dog racing. You saw dog racing. Saw- <laughs> you think that when they say he's like the ponies, they're talking about dogs. As opposed to horses. I don't know why I saw dog races. More to the point, I didn't even see like dog races. I saw the animated. You saw the animated <laughs> Bugs Bunny cartoon. Let's be clear. All I know about this is from the movies. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how any of this works. I, saw, I just know it from the movies. I saw the dog. Oh, too. yeah, he likes the ponies. And it's like, you know, there's always the dude and, and, he, and he tears up his ticket. Like he tears up his ticket. You've never gone to a horse race? No, I've never been to. And, and I'm from Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, come on, dude. I've been at least to three. Where I have driven past um the uh Pimlico, it, not Pimlico, Preakness, no Pimlico, my whole life, and never. I've never actually been to a horse race. It's kind of cool. I mean, it's actually kind of cool. Apparently, don't be betting on it because no, you, you fool no, around I and I did not. And, and you owe people money, no. and then you end up having to rob a bank with a racist I did bet and there'll be complications the second time I went double crosses I, I, I laid a bet I lost you lost and then that was it that was it that was it however I had an amazing steak yeah <laughs> I can say that yes. I had an amazing dinner it was delicious all right. With potatoes. All right. It wasn't like a guy over the side crying. Because he had like. Because <laughs> I was Because he didn't say he tore up all his ticket. No. Because he had lost. No. I did see people that were losing. Right. But. Yeah. Not you. All right. I had dinner. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. All right. That's number two. That's number two. What is better than this in Uptown Saturday Night? There can only be one role. For Harry Belafonte, that would top his performance in Uptown Saturday Night, Bucking the Preacher, Odds Against Tomorrow, without even mentioning any of the films that he did with Dorothy Dandridge. Mm-hmm. And that. Well, so it's not poor hand, not poor hand, but so I guess it's not all Cleopatra, Cleopatra Jones, Carmen Jones. <laughs> it's not Carmen Jones. It's not Bright Road. Uh, well, I knew it wasn't Pride River. We, we knew it. We knew it was Pride River. <laughs> Number one, Harry Belafonte performance. Okay. Is Harry Belafonte. Oh. 1927, 2023. Oh. 96 years old. Helped organize the Grammy Award winning song. I forgot about this. He was instrumental in um, putting together We Are the World mm-hmm. back in 1987. Um, he received an appointment to UNICEF as a goodwill and ambassador. Following his appointment, he traveled to Dakar, where he served as a chairman of the International Symposium of Artists and Intellectuals for African Children. He also helped to raise funds alongside with more than 20 other artists, the largest co- uh, concert ever held in uh, uh, Sarayan, Africa. In 1994, he went on a mission to Rwanda and launched the media campaign to raise awareness of the needs of Rwandan children. In 2001, 2001, the book was already written on this man. You could have went and sat down. You could have sat down. Yeah. In 2001, he went to South Africa to support the campaign against HIV and AIDS. In 2002, Africare awarded him the Bishop John Walker Distinguished Humanitarian Service Award 
for his efforts to assist Africa. In 2004, he went to Kenya to stress the importance of educating the children in the region. He was active in the anti-apartheid movement. He was a master of ceremonies and a reception honoring the African National uh, Congress President uh, Oliver Tambo at in New York City. Um, the like the accolades go on and on and on. This is on a business side, but I I wasn't even aware of this. He liked and often visited the uh, Caribbean island of Bonaire. Okay. So he and a partner, Maurice Neem, formed a joint venture to create a private community there, which started construction in 1966. It's Still managed by the Bell Nim Caribbean Development Corporation, um, and as of 2017, still was home to 717 people. Wow! There, I mean, I don't care what he did before the screen. Mm -hmm. He did handy shit that compared to what he just did as himself, a man like you said, talk to talk, walk to walk. Harry Melafonte. Rest in peace, brother. That's the key. Why you'd be surprised what a person can do with just a sense of hot touch and a sense of sound. I feel like I I feel like I should do six degrees of Durbin Martin to Harry Melafonte, but it's too easy. It is. It's, it's, very a, it's easy. a layup. But yeah. just for the layup of it all. Six degrees of Durville Martin to Harry Melafonte. I still get to do the other two. The other two, yeah, yeah. So, so Durville Martin is, and guess who's coming to dinner with Sidney Poitier, who's in Buckingham <laughs> Country with Harry Belafonte. I forgot about that one. Yeah. It was so easy. Yeah. Okay, all right. Very, there you go. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Thus, our Harry Belafonte <laughs> section of the show. There, pretty quickly. Yeah. All right. Uh, six degrees of Daryl Martin, um, and then said, "Where I will give you a an actor, two actors of my choice, and you will connect them in six films or less to Daryl Martin." Yes. And, yes. And keeping in theme mm -hmm. with the film that we're reviewing, mm -hmm. Neptune Frost. Neptune Frost. Yes. These are actors. Mm -hmm. Whose names are also places. Whose names are also places. Yes. Okay. I like it. So, number one. Number one. Six movies or less. Six movies or less. Connect Derville Martin. Derville Martin. Two. Two. Orlando Bloom. Orlando Bloom. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Derville Martin, of course is in how do I want to get to this do you know who Orlando Bloom is yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely do right. yeah. I know your body spots dude so Derville Martin is in guess who's coming to dinner with Sidney Poitier mm -hmm. Sidney Poitier is in Paris Blues with Diane Carroll. Diane Carroll is in what's my one word my one word movie Split mm. with Jim Brown. 
You can't claim split. That's my move. Who is in any given Sunday with Al Pacino? Remember, he plays one of the coaches. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Who is in Donnie Brasco with... Um, you are long, man. Johnny... De- oh, yeah, I know I'm going long. Johnny Depp, who is in <coughs> Pirates of the Caribbean with Orlando Bloom. Very good. Very good. I, I don't know why I thought you were going to go to Lord of the Rings. That's not even that you could have got there. Yeah, I was about to say, Lord of the Rings is just as convoluted. No, not saying that you. Yeah, probably just. Yeah, Lord in my mind, that's where. You, yeah, yeah, Lord of Rings. Yeah, I forgot all about the uh, Caribbean. Yeah, movies. Very good. All right. Number two. Number two. Six films or less connect Derville Martin to Derville Martin to Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder. He was actually named after a city. Well, that's Winona Ryder. You, you get to her because. Derville Martin is in um Derville Martin is in it's the quickest it's my quickest is in the final oh there you go yeah the, there you go right there Derville Martin's in the final come down with Billy D. Williams who is in Batman 89 with Michael Keaton, who's in Beetlejuice with another writer. What'd you call it? <laughs> OCD. Or encyclopedic. You decide. You decide. <laughs> very good, Renzi. Yeah. Very, very good. You know, speaking of which. <laughs> speaking of undiagnosed <laughs> mental challenges. <laughs> Um, you should probably speak to someone about this. <laughs> I feel like I'm about to do like an AstraZeneca commercial. <laughs> <laughs> like we're not even going to be saying anything and somebody's just going to say side effects may be. Oh, right. <laughs> right. Connecting, <laughs> connecting 70s action stars. Right, right, right. Nondescript actors. Yeah. Um, Turner Classic Movies. Okay. All of this month of April has been celebrating Warner Brothers, which is 100 years old. Okay. So they've only been showing Warner Brothers movies. Nice. This, is, this entire month. Mm-hmm. And just recently, they had a double feature. Mm-hmm. Um, and it came on like overnight. The first time on Turner Classic Movies. They showed Superman. Okay. Nice. So nineteen seventy eight. Okay. Followed by Batman. Okay. From, from 89. Okay. Very nice. And as much as I wanted to resist seeing them, I said, Oh, I wouldn't even, why, why even play those games? Just, just, let me just watch them. Yeah. Don't even play. Yeah. So I sat and watched, I watched both of them mm-hmm. back to back. This yeah. May be the first time I've watched both of them back to back. That's not a bad evening. First thing about Superman is that I realized is that it's, a very charming movie. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, not a lot of Superman. No, in it. No, not at all. It's really, and the and the story is very slight, dude. Dude, the whole don't I'm, my my nerd rage is about to come out. Superman resonates 
Because Richard Donner trusts the actors. Mm-hmm. The director of the film. God bless Christopher Reeves. Margot Kidder and Gene Hackman carry that film on their shoulders. Yes. They just they just carry the film. And they're better than Christopher Reeves. But Christopher Reeves is good. He's good. You're right. They're better. As Clark Kent. Right. Like the Daily Planet scenes are actually the best part. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. him bouncing off of, like you can tell they sat and watched The Thin Man and watched like, you know, some Clark Gable. Clark Gable. And Rosalind Russell. Right. My Gown Friday. Yeah. So, so you know, oh, you got to make it like Superman. And then they just don't have any chemistry with the actors and the actors don't have any and uh, yes, yes. Charming film. It, it look very big fan. I'll you know the part I don't like. I don't like that one little racist moment with with the brother. Oh, with the brother when Ooh, Jack. I sure do like new threads. Yeah. Well, I don't like that part. It was seventy. And did be and you. So, yeah, yeah. but besides that, yeah. yes, and and Batman eighty nine. Well, well, real quick, still on, on Superman. Mm-hmm. One of the things that took me out. One, I forgot totally how this film opens. Mm-hmm. Like it opens with like a, 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 a like a movie there, yeah. And the curtains open, mm-hmm. and you see the comic book. I had yeah, all about that. You talk about Margot Kidder and how great she is in this mm-hmm. film, right? Where do you think she lands as far as uh, credits? I mean, I mean, obviously she's after Christopher Reeves. She's probably after Gene Hackman. Is she after Ned Beatty? And um, I just forgot Perry White. Jackie Cooper. And after Jackie Cooper? Yes. Yeah. Which means she's seventh. Yeah. She's seventh. Because Marlon Brando. Because the order is Marlon Brando. Yeah. Gene Hackman. Uh Uh-huh. Then the title. Then the title. Then Christopher, then Christopher Reeves, Jackie Cooper, Ned Beatty, yeah, then Margot Kidder. I mean, I mean, she's Lois Lane. I suspect everyone's agent was better than Margot Kidder's in 1978. That's true, because Jackie Cooper is an aging name. Yeah, but by an aging name, he'd been Jackie Cooper. But he's still been Jackie Cooper. About 50 years about it. I mean, maybe 40 years. He's definitely a name. Had Ned Beatty won an Oscar by 78? Because did he win for, what did he win for, Network? He won for Network. That's that's before Superman? I want to think that's after Superman. For some reason, I think that's maybe 80. Okay, but it's still, he's still Ned Beatty. But he's still Ned Beatty. Yeah, he's still, I mean, if nothing else, he still he, he still he did Deliverance. Right. So he's Ned Beatty. Yeah, he's still Ned Beatty. Right. And Gene Hackman, well, Marlon Brando just because of his paycheck. Right. Number one. Right. Gene Hackman definitely a name. Absolutely. Um, and Christian Reeves is actually playing Superman. He's Superman. He's actually like, playing. He can't do it, but so dirty. Right. 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 <laughs> you know I mean? Right. Um. So that 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 just took me out. It took me out. Batman eighty nine. Batman 89. The film that I actually, I am, I am, like, I am genetically coded to mm-hmm. love this movie. Mm-hmm. I like 
this movie, Ugh. right? I don't love it as much as I want to. Mm-hmm. Yes. Did I see it in the films? In the, in the films? Yes. Did I see it 20 times in the movie theaters? Yes. I'm laughing because you don't get, I'm doing your tell. Why, why, why are we spending so much time talking about this one? Oh, okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I am watching it again this uh-huh. time, right? I was once again mesmerized mm-hmm. by how fully good Michael Keaton yeah. is in this. You talk about how Christopher Reeves um, it is supported very much, held up by Gene Hackman and Margot Kerr. I think Jack Nicholson is just having fun. Yeah. I think I think Michael Keaton is what makes this movie Absolutely. Work. He is 100% what makes Batman 89 works. As Bruce Wayne and as a stiff-necked. Yeah. But yeah. as Batman, he holds that whole thing together. I agree. I agree. Of course, you know, I also love the direction and the set design. The set design is great. I think the direction is like, okay. I'm not a a big Tim Burton as a storyteller. As a visual artist, I can't knock him. As a storyteller, I I think he's okay. Yeah, I really, really like Batman. It's not my favorite Batman movie. It is. You you know this is what gets me in trouble with people. I actually like Batman Returns better. A lot of people like Batman, Returns. but Batman Returns is my favorite Batman movie. Batman Begins is my favorite. Yeah, I know. you know I feel about the Chris Nolan Batman. I know, man. Fine, I'll make a Batman movie <laughs> if you insist. All right, I'm way too cool to make Batman movies, but you know y'all have given me all this money. So I guess I'll make a Batman movie. Fine. Well, he made a good Batman. Movie. I mean, if you if y'all you know apparently you know if you're ashamed of superhero movies and you still want to be a cool kid, but think, you also want to watch Batman movies. I think it's a superhero movie. I mean, you know, I guess it's not Man of uh, Man of Steel. No, no, no. But you know, sure. He's okay. not. He's not Zack Snyder. Yeah, I know. I know. But at least. You know, well, you're not pulling, you're not baiting me. Go ahead. Are you finish? I'm done. You finish? I'm done. All right. Okay. So can now, we, can we move on now? We, oh, well, can we? Can we? Oh, we can. Do I have your permission? To oh, move yo, what Do you? I have your permission to move you the show very one? Very much. So trying to, try to, right, right. Keep it in line. Uh, I'm going to timer. Uh huh. Right, okay. right. I'm not the one trying to. Jesus. Get it. Uh huh. Right. Let's get into our review of Neptune Frost. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. Chumo sisi kuchavinzo zisi. Chumo sisi kuchavinzo zisi. Chumo sisi kuchavinzo zisi. 
wajana bari kuri internet Neptune Frost, a 2021 science fiction film co-directed by Saul Williams and Anissa Uziman, starring Cheryl Izuja, Elvis Nagabo, and Kaya Free, follows the relationship between Neptune and Metalusa, who are Colton miners whose love leads a hacker collective. The film is an Afrofuturist story set in a village in Burundi made of computer parts. Centers on the relationship between the two, Neptune, who's an intersex runaway, and Matalusa, who's a Colton miner. This, as we close out Octavia April, was the choice of Lynn Webb. Lynn, how would you like to begin our conversation about 2021's Neptune Frost? Um... I've been thinking about this all day. Okay. Because I really am not sure where I want to begin <laughs> with this film. Um, it is a, it it's, you read like the brief synopsis. Let me just read this to give you an idea of the headiness of this movie. In the hilltops of Burundi, a group of escaped Colton miners form an anti-colonialist uh, computer hacker collective. Mm -hmm. From their camp in an otherworldly e-waste dump, they attempt a takeover of the authoritarian regime exploiting the region's natural resources and its people. When an intersex runaway and an escaped Colton miner find each other through cosmic forces, their connection sparks glitches within the greater divine circuitry. You take that, the bare bones of that story, that there are these workers who find a way outside of some colonial um, colonial mining expedition, but these like colonial uh, colonialism basically you know, the, the shit that colonists do mm -hmm. and they find their way out of that to become like this separatist sect of their own. And in the midst of that, two desperate souls come together in some type of uh, entanglement, which proves to be the linchpin for uh, changing the world as they know it. That's the matrix. Right. And not only is that the matrix, but that is kind of like the building block for a lot of great science fiction. Mm -hmm. Now you take this film that is wrapped in the trappings of, and, and, and the science fiction is all right there with there being like this e-waste dump and them being um, 
in like this other kind of like dimensional plane where people can't have to find their way to, to get to one another. But then you wrap it in Afrofuturism, mm -hmm. which looks at all of this science fiction from uh, an African diaspora diasporic lens um, that has ties or connections to um, uh, colonialism, as we said, enslavement, um, uh, being robbed of your resources, being pulled away from who you are to gender, all of that being wrapped up in, into the into the story of this film. And then you layer on top of that the aesthetic mm. and the design of bold colors, bold facial um trappings and 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 face paint and 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 makeup and uh, accessories and and uh wire work in front in front of your face and um taking what you got by using uh television screens mm -hmm. and and painting them and 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 trans transposing them so that it, it, they become the they become basically the building blocks for for your huts um you put all of that together and then you double down with original thoughtful lyrical poetic uh imagery and music mm -hmm. that while sung in a different um, language, still feels harmonic to your ear. You are able to, if even if you even if you don't read the subtitles, you're still able to get the gist of what everybody is talking about, what is going on on the screen. Mm -hmm. And then you pack on that some breathtaking. Photography. Mm -hmm. You have maybe one of the most beautiful films that I've seen in easily the last few years. Just a gorgeous, gorgeous film. I was watching this movie with my girlfriend and she was a little hesitant on watching it. He's like, I, you know, I don't know, but you know, you know, because she doesn't have to watch it. Mm -hmm. um, but she sat and five minutes into it, she said, "Oh, it's real lyrical." Mm -hmm. And then she just sat back and you just and you just like let her watch over you, mm -hmm. right? Um, and it was it was it was so cool. It was so beautiful. Um, but, it was so assured of what it was. Mm -hmm. um, and I've said, and I've seen this a couple of places, but I definitely feel like this is a, almost like a direct descendant to what space is the place is mm. from Sunra, mm -hmm. right? With, a, with the, <laughs> complete with the use of music that in Sunra, I just didn't get. Mm -hmm. um, but in this, 
while I don't understand the wordings of it, I 100% appreciate. Mm -hmm. The difference is, is that Sun Ra, by, because it was made in, this, in the 70s, and maybe because of some distrust on the filmmakers, does deal in some of the politics of Hollywood at the time right. that become baked into that story, right? And this film doesn't have to do that. Mm. This film does not have to follow that lead and, and then it's allowed to just really have this meditative conversation about um, all of these, all of these aspects of Afrofuturism that it wants to present to you mm-hmm. in, in, in real time mm-hmm. on the screen. And I enjoyed it for the most part. Mm-hmm. I do feel that there is a moment where the film, because there is there's a, 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 a slight lack of tension in the film, right? So it tends to kind of like like just kind of like lull like a dream on you, and that can be a little like okay, you got to push through that mm-hmm. to get to the end. Because I don't think there's really any real tension at all to the film to like the very end of the movie. Right. And and by then, if you push through, you're there and you know, you're with it and it wraps up pretty good. And I don't want to spoil it a little bit, but it it it's it, it and it's a very beautiful, thoughtful ending. But that lull does make it a little harder to to get through. But what takes you all the way there is just the beauty on screen from the act from the actors as well. And a lot of these are first time actors. Absolutely, uh, first time actors um, uh, speaking their native tongue. Um, I think the naivete of acting shows, but it 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 doesn't show for. There still is. Um, what they lack in skill as actors, mm-hmm. they make up for in sincerity of performances. Sure. Um, and I believe that they all are there because they all live this life. I don't think and I don't think anybody's there playing a part. Right. This is this is the the life they they, they live. They, these are Sunra's children. Mm-hmm. Um and Sun and if Sunra saw this, he would be very proud of what his children are, are doing. Um but Sunrise was, was American. This is not. Mm-hmm. And I think that detachment allows this film to, unfortunately, maybe not connect with some people. Sure. But I think that is that is the risk that you take. Um, and I also think that 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 detachment on first viewing, well, if you push through, you might get it or you may not. I think this is a film that I'm very anxious to watch again because I know that it. I have a feeling it will reward even more on the second time around. I enjoyed it. It was a little harder to get through, but I, it, I can't say that this was not an experience mm-hmm. for me. And um, at the end of the day, that's what you want from this film. Yeah. Yeah, I think this this is a difficult film. This is one of the more difficult films that we have watched during 
our journey. And by difficult, I mean, you have to engage mm-hmm. this film. This is not a film that you can multitask. This is not a, like you really do have to, you, you know. It, and that's not just because of the language. No, no, not at all. Just the the the, the storytelling, the filmmaking. All you, you, you know. I was thinking of the more difficult films that we have discussed, and and you know, I thought about something like Sankofa, mm-hmm. or or Daughters of the Dust, or or something really close to this in my mind. Uh, the oversimplification of her beauty. Yeah. And I think the the thing that all three of these films had going for them in, in the case of both Sankofa and Daughters of the Dust is that Holly Garima with Sankofa and Julie Dash with Daughters of the Dust are master filmmakers. Mm-hmm. And they were master filmmakers when they made these movies so that any of the just difficulty of storytelling and and you know just the general baseline what is going on in yeah. this movie yeah they're they were able they're able to walk you through it mm-hmm. you know it's out of sequence there there are continuity things it's you know there are language issues not issues language challenges but you get through and then for all of the multimedia flourish and 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 mixed media things and 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 the various approaches to storytelling in over in oversimplification of her beauty, Terrence Nance's passion for this woman mm-hmm. is a through line. Yes, and Neptune Frost from a story perspective is a little bit more abstract. Like you don't have this great as much as, 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 as it purports to say it has this love in the center of it. Even the love affair is a bit abstract. Yes. Between Mata and, and, and Neptune. And, you know, Saul Williams is, is an amazingly talented per, you know, he's one of these hyphenates that does a million different things. Filmmaker is not the first thing they say about him. Yeah. And I'm not familiar with um, Anissa Uziman, but certainly she's no Julie Dash yeah. or, or Holly Grima. So a lot of, of the question, just in, in my mind, sort of the baseline question is, is this film worth the effort that you have to put into it to engage it on on a on a on on the experience on a film experience, right? You, you know, and I think that's a fair question when you think about the origins of this film and Saul Williams. You know, you, he he wanted to be a musical, he wanted to be a graphic novel, yeah, yeah. all of these different things. Which you can easily see, which you can easily see, and I ultimately land where you do. Where I think you must acknowledge the effort that you have to put into this, but it's very much worth it. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, there are two things, two aspects of this film that I I celebrate. First and foremost, as you mentioned, the the, the plot, as much as there is, is sort of a standard 
science fiction plot where you, you know there's some re rebels and there's this uh, you know this grand authority that they're fighting against but this is very much a a, a, a kind of post-colonial african film mm -hmm. that is 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 serving commentary on the exploitation of resources and workers rights and 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 how you know utilizing uh you, you know your culture can help you navigate there are issues of gender as as we mentioned the main character is intersex mm -hmm. who this character is played by two different actors right a male actor and a female actor. And it's just the type of story just on the simple level of representation. I'm always going to celebrate. Yes. Like not just black voices, but different kinds of the black voices. The full diaspora. Right. The full, right, full. And then the second part, as we mentioned, this is, this was a, a film that began in a couple of different places. And so much so that Saul Williams had a Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. This is a film that, you know, the Kickstarter made less than $200,000. For the sake of argument, let's say that there was some more resources besides this $200,000. Let's give them another million. This is an amazingly small budgeted film. Mm -hmm. And what these filmmakers were able to achieve and visually, yeah, with the lack of resources that they had is nothing less than extraordinary. I know. Like you said, as a film, I can argue about the level of engagement you have to have to get into it as a film. But this this is very much one of those one of these experiences. You can turn the volume down. The costumes, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the 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 the, the, re, the reuse of of um, computer parts and electrical parts. What they do with makeup, yeah, and hair design. This is one of the most visually arresting films I've seen in a really long time. And one thing that I very much want to give credit to them, this is not a film that defaults to this, this sort of exoticism or orientalism that you get with films that are set in, quote unquote, other places. What do you mean by that? The best example would be something like my beloved Blade Runner, which, you know, you talk about the design sense of Blade Runner and, and this sort of cyberpunk aesthetic. But even in Blade Runner, so much of it kind of defaults to this kind of Asian-ness mm. where, you know, it's Asian language and it's people with kimonos and people using chopsticks. And the subtext is, ooh, aren't these foreigners exotic? This is so exotic. Okay. And while this is a film set in a part of Africa that, that many of us aren't familiar with, 
I think there is a distinct difference between this African aesthetic. Mm. Like this is an African nation. This is, you know, Burundi and, and everything. And, and Rwanda, a lot of it, you know, is in Rwanda. And these visuals that we're talking about. Like when they depict the technology that's being used. Mm. When they depict... um. Neptune's dream state. Okay. There's a wonderful scene with some women gardening and they're wearing these white costumes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that again, just Saul Williams and Anissa Uziman's eye well, yeah. and sense of design is just extraordinary. And I think what I came away with is, is, is this is what they did with $200,000. Just for frame of reference, Tyler Perry, who famously keeps his costs low, mm -hmm. so that that's part, like that's part of the Tyler Perry thing. I don't use a lot of money. My, 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 my productions are bare bones. Mm -hmm. I looked it up real quick. Medea goes to jail, had a budget of $17 million. Mm. Can you imagine if Saul Williams had $17 million? Can you imagine if he had $5 million? What he could have done? So if nothing, I celebrate. And what I put in my notes is that when you don't have resources, ideas. That's, a, that's your resource. Really take the place of special effects. Well, because, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I, I, I do. I, I thought this was a triumph. Well, it, it's not. It, it is ideas take the place of special effects, but it also is. Um, it also. Oh, somebody had said it once before uh, on a movie set that I was on. It was the. Um, this wasn't a word, but it it it's akin to like the necessity, mm -hmm. because you you know you know what you want, right. And you want to get you want want to get as close to it, right? But you know what your budget is, right? So now you look at okay, how can I make this happen, right? And and now it's like all right, and and by doing that, you stripped everything down to exactly what you need, and usually what you need is really all you need, right? But pull it off. But I still I I go. Like you've got to have this imagination. Well, you've got to have like you've got to have this this in like like you know you were talking about this being um a spiritual child of space is the place, and I one hundred percent agree with you because that's part of what I loved about space is the place, like just this design sense mm -hmm. that you had to do, or even something just to pull something super random. From from our experience that you and I both enjoyed in this context, Sugar Hill, mm. you, you know, like like the, the like at a moment when when many of us are going through these big budget movie fatigue, like you know a, a complaint that many of us have, even if we're fond of like all the Marvel movies, just sort of look alike at this point and. You know, I, I I don't care how many records Avatar broke. It just looks like sort of a blue squishy blob to me. 
it, it just, it, it really did do my heart good to see this type of energy. Yeah. And, and again, this level of, of, of just artistry. Well, that speaks to the, the importance of having, uh, intentionality guide your hand. Yeah. When you're make, when you're making work like this and they have a vision, like they had a vision mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they, and they do, and they, and they didn't compromise, they didn't compromise their vision. Right. They just did what they had to do to pull it off. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I also like the text of this film and it, it kind of like shares it with, with space as a place a little bit in that. And even those faces of places American and this is not, we are, we black people are all we need. Mm-hmm. And once we recognize that and embrace that half the battle is over. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they both, both films share that text. I think that, because of some of the trappings that Space in the Place has to go journey through because of the time setting and, you know, you know, you know, the cost of getting the movie done. Mm-hmm. I think that that story, that idea is more nuancedly explored in this film. Yeah. And I've, I, I, I enjoy that. And that, and that's where I speak to like the sincerity of the performances. Then like, you know, the acting is not 100% of the stuff, but you felt like you felt like, I don't know the language you're speaking. I don't, I don't understand this language you're speaking, but you sound like you believe what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there, there's an authenticity. Yeah. Authenticity. And, and, you know, not for nothing. It's also worth mentioning Everyone is beautiful. My God. Like everyone is beautiful. And and I will never miss an opportunity to celebrate blackness being lit correctly. Mm-hmm. And and the colors and everything. And yeah, it, it, it yeah, it's it's fancy. Now, kinda I you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems like you were alluding to there are moments that you, you know you could argue it runs long yes which i think says more about the relative inexperience mm-hmm. of the filmmakers mm-hmm. which including saw and oh and, and starting with saw williams and and it really does have a lot of it it feels like a first film like it feels like a first film in many ways where like even as not you know not filmmakers just doing this for so long there are scenes where it was like they could have shaved 30 seconds or so off of yeah. the scene yeah you know they could have but maybe a little bit too precious of an edit right 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 but but ultimately again it's is it the difference between something that meanders mm-hmm. and something that ruminates is the quality of of the film and and i think it passed the test yeah very much so 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 i guess the question of course would be would you recommend neptune frost i would recommend it okay. uh, i would recommend it. I, and i i only pause 
I I was only paused because I I know I know some people who are like, "Let what what you got me watching?" Yeah, <laughs> no <laughs> doubt, absolutely. So that that's that's the only pause that I yeah. Did. Um, and I also do pause though because as I mentioned, I think that this is a film that either you're going to get it or not on the set on the first viewing. Mm-hmm. But if you get it on the first viewing. I think you will appreciate it even more on the second viewing. Mm-hmm. If you don't get it, if you don't get it on the first, you'll never get it. But if you even like it just a little bit the first time around, then maybe wait like about a year or so and watch it again, and I'll think you'll even appreciate it that much more. Yeah, right? um, I couldn't help but while I was watching this film, and I wanted to almost give like a spiritual thank you to. Um, and I, I'll name a couple of people, um, uh, friends of mine, uh, Malika, um, friend of the show, Lee Sumter. Yeah. Uh, friend of the show, Charlene Griffith. Yeah. Um, um, uh, Joe Illage, um, Ariel, our, our friend, there are quite a few people in my, in my in, in my spectrum, in our spectrum, Alexa Gold, this is the music for mm-hmm. our, um, the class of 1989. There's a lot of people who, I, in being like a triple and a geek and doing this movie stuff, I've come across who identify as Afrofuturists, right? Um, and in getting to know them and in getting to appreciate how they live their life um, and becoming closer with each and every one of them, those are the people who have affected my life to the to the degree that watching this film allowed me to appreciate this. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like maybe 10 to 12 years ago I wa- I watching a film like this, I know I don't think I'm getting it. I don't think I'm really appreciating it, it in the way that I did now. Mm-hmm. So I thank them for the effect that they've had on my life. Um and if they have not seen Neptune Frost, I invite you all to check out this film because it is a very, very beautiful meditative film that I think people will get something out of um, the experience. I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think this is a fantastic way to end the month. And, and it really does speak to the potential mm-hmm. of the philosophy of Afrofuturism, not just black people in the future, but what, you know, how do black people shape the future? Yeah. And, and it's, 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 it's a, it's a fascinating film. Again, Saul Williams as this multi hyphenate, like he does so many things. I really hope he pays some attention to filmmaking and does this again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I will. So, yeah. I will sign up for the next film. So, to check it out. Absolutely. Time. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, that as uh, Vincent alluded to, ties a bow on this year's Octavia April or mm-hmm. salute to Afrofuturism and Black sci-fi. Before we move on and tell you what we're going to be watching next week in everyone's favorite month of the year, I invite you all to follow the Michelle Mission. Two men. One podcast, every black film ever made at michellemission.com, where you can hit swag and check out all of the cool designs 
that we had by way of our good friends at T Public that you could purchase, along with uh, six degrees of Durvell Martin collection. Uh, we've got a top five collection that will be going up there pr pretty soon. Hey, we might even find Slick Chester. <laughs> because why not? Why not? <laughs> uh, on a shirt. And, and, and the reason why we sell these wares up there, ladies and gentlemen, is because Vincent and I, the, the showmanship is something that we enjoy doing and we enjoy bringing to each and every one of you. And we, we celebrate everyone that supports us. Um, and shout out to Podglomerate, our podcast network that allows us to do this and gets ads for our shows and um, which uh, helps keep the show afloat, right? It helps. But what also helps keep the show afloat is you. So anything that you purchase from T Public for the Michelle Mission, a couple of shekels goes to us to keep the show up and running. We don't want you to subscribe and become patrons and Patreons. No, no, no shade on Patreon. But we do this because we like doing it. So if you want to buy something, buy something. If you don't, we're going to still be here watching these films. Okay. All right. I just wanted to say that. Um... You can email the Michelle Mission. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want. M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. That's Michelle Mission at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail. 215-867-9666 and tell Vince and Len what is on your mind. Starting next week, you're going to have a question to answer. Oh, Lord. Well, uh, no, no, no. I'm it's sorry. Time. You're right. It's time. Yeah. So next week, you'll have a question to answer. Right now, you can just say whatever you want. Leave us a voicemail. I see you've been wanting to pick up the phone. <laughs> just do it. Call me now. <laughs> I never get tired of that. And follow the Michelle Mission on all your social media. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Michelle Mission. On Facebook, join the Michelle Mission Facebook group where people have a lot of fun chit-chatting with one another. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, on YouTube, at Michelle Mission. Subscribe so you do not miss any one of our live shows um, and any of the shorter edited segments that will be going up. I've got a whole bunch already started. I just, I'm the only editor here, ladies and gentlemen. You know, you, you see what he does. So I... <laughs> I'm I, I I I will get them up you me, for you. You want me to connect Dervo Martin to anybody else? <laughs> no, no. Give me more stuff to edit. No, no. Cool. <laughs> anyway, um, so so feel free to subscribe on YouTube um, to the Michelle Mission, which is a proud member, as we mentioned, of the Podglomerate. Thepodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work. And don't forget, the Michelle Mission is filmed here. In the video content factory in Maniung, videocontentfactory.com, Philly's premier podcast studio for video. Make it so. Dylan, my man, is right there behind the boards. Tea leaves is in the wind, but he's he's making he's making stuff happen. Trust me. He, he tea leaves is that dude. All right. Next week, called the Michelle Mission. It is everyone's favorite month of the year. It's May, which means that it's time to ask that eternal question. 
Mother, may I have another one of those bad black movies? That's right. It's bad black movie. Oh, boy. And this year, there's five weeks in May. Yay. So that's five black movies. So Vincent has chosen two. Yeah. I've chosen two. And on our fifth week, we've got a fifth bad black movie that's being chosen by a very special surprise guest. Yes. Oh my God. And we are kicking things off in style mm-hmm. next week with Vincent Selection yeah. from 1995. Starring, you'll never guess. Billy Blanks. Billy Blanks. Yes, Mr. Tybo himself. The Tybo man. Billy Blanks. No, we're not reviewing one of his infomercials. <laughs> no, I wish we were. It's probably better than this. It probably is. <laughs> we are reviewing Billy Blanks. And he's not even just an action man. <laughs> Billy Blanks is a virtual reality super soldier. Yeah. In Expect No Mercy. That's right. What the hell have you got me signed on for? Well, you know what you should expect? No mercy. Next week. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do this May thing. We're going to do it up. <laughs> you know what? I told somebody the film that you had chosen for mm-hmm. next week and they said and I quote oh y'all ain't playing <laughs> no. I don't know if my brother is tuning in right now but I know he's happy this this is this is prime Williams brother viewing right here did, did y'all watch this together probably Probably this this is prime two three o'clock in the morning. Williams brothers watching something on late night cable right here. So next week, ladies and gentlemen, expect no mercy here. Billy Blanks on the Michel mission. Until then, he's Vincent. I'm Len, and in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. The Michelle Mission is produced by Len Webb and Vincent Williams and edited by Len Webb with co-production by Mo Poplar, music by Alexa Gold, and filmed at the Video Content Factory. The Michelle Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network.